Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and praise from his people. We praise you this day, bowing the knee before you, Lord God, who is like unto you, you made the heavens and earth. But whom did you consult when you made all these things? <clears throat> we bow before you. Lead on, O King Eternal, you make streams in the desert for your people. Now, O Lord God, bless this money that's been given. Uh, you don't need it, but uh, here it is before your throne. Bless now, Sid, as he <coughs> brings forth your word. May you uh, honor it, uh, glorify it. Uh, we're here to lift you up and not ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The first six verses of Proverbs list a uh, reasons why the Proverbs were written. And verse 6, the last verse of that introduction, it says, one of the purposes for the Proverbs is for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. It is to develop our capacity to think, to reason, to wrestle with issues, to wrestle with, with questions. And the proverb we looked at last week and we'll look at again this morning is a riddle. It's a difficult proverb. It has two lines. We introduced it last week. I'm not going to repeat all of that, but just to get your mind back into what we're dealing with with a proverb, this is a two-line proverb. And the second line explains the first line. Uh, the first line is part of the riddle. The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold. You say, oh boy, that's inspiring. Glad I read that. No, it doesn't make sense by it. What's he talking about? The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. And then the second line makes sense of the first line, or sort of, sort of if you think about it. The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, and a man by his praise. Huh, what's that mean? Well, what the proverb is telling us is that as the crucible works on silver and the furnace works on gold, so praise works on us. And we said last week that the crucible and the furnace refine silver and gold. They melt out, they, they separate the worthless from the valuable. And so we see the silver and the gold that we want to keep is separated, it's purified. And then as we continue the process, we get pure and pure silver and gold as they are for, uh, refined. And so the, the, Solomon is saying that process that we, the metallurgist uses to get that precious gold and silver where they can make valuable and beautiful jewelry, that's how praise works on us. But the question still remains, is the proverb talking about praise we receive, or is it talking about praise we give? And the answer is yes. The praise we receive can refine us. It can make us better people. And last week we talked about how praise that we receive refines us. This morning I want to talk about how the praise that we give refines us. How does being a person of praise refine us? How does the praise that we give work on us like the crucible works on silver and the furnace works on gold? Well, the first thing we see is the crucible refines silver and the furnace refines gold. Refines gold. The mere fact of praising refines us. 
The mere fact of being a person who is conscious and involved in praising refines us. It makes us better people. And so we ask, well, what, it, did you just make that up? So as we read a proverb and we wrestle with the mystery, we ask, where else does the Bible talk about this concept? And if we go to Philippians, the book of Philippians talks about praise. It's a book where Paul is writing, it's a thank you letter. Paul is writing to the Philippian Christians, thanking them for their support, their prayer, and their, their financial support of his ministry. And at chapter 4, he says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is commendable, if there is anything that is excellent, if there is anything that's worthy of praise, think on those things. So Paul is saying, what do you focus your mind on? What are you preoccupied with? And he's saying, let your mind dwell on the things that are excellent, on the things that are beautiful, the things that are commendable, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, noble, commendable. If there's anything that is excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell there. Become a person who looks for the lovely instead of the lousy. You've been around people that, no matter what's going on, everything is lousy. Everything is gripe and grumble, and this is bad, and they're going to pick on that thing. As opposed to a person who just says, yeah, it's there. We get the problems in life, but I'm not going to let my life dwell on what's lousy. So Many of you remember the book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking, by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Dr. and Mrs. Peel were two of the most gracious, pleasant people to be around that you could ever meet. I've heard that by reputation of Dr. Peel, but Mrs. Peel, uh, she's a tough lady. And I did some work for the Peel Center for Christian Living, and they got to know Mrs. Peel a bit and, and some of the other folks who had worked there when Dr. Peel was alive. And, but the reason she could be a tough lady and tell you what was wrong when you needed to be told what was wrong is she spent so much time telling you what was right. Her praisings gave her the right to be critical in a very constructive manner. Just a wonderful, pleasant person because it was a positive thinking. What's good here? What's right here? So just the mere fact of praising turns us into people who are thinking about possibilities instead of what's wrong or what isn't going to work. We become possibility thinkers, not loser thinkers. So just the mere fact of praising. We find what we are refined by seeing what we're looking for. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. That, that, that word that Paul said, uh, let your mind dwell on these things. It's, it's, a, it's a word that means, it's our, our word logic comes from the word, let your mind logizestet, let your mind dwell, let your mind wrestle, let your mind process, let it take over your mind. Whatever is good, let me read it again. If there's anything true, honorable, just, pure, noble, commendable, and then I love this word, if, there, if you can find anything, and we have those kind of days, 
where there ain't much good going on. But Paul said, look for it. If there is anything that is excellent, if you can find anything worthy of praise, focus on it. Let your mind dwell on it. It'll change your life. Because at the end of that verse, it says, the God of peace will be with you. So by letting our mind dwell, I, I've used this illustration before, and I'm going to use it again, because it's a good one. My mother used to make pickles. And so because she made pickles, we grew cucumbers. We always had a garden. We had a big section of cucumbers. And in the fall, we'd come, you know, September, bring in the things. And my mom would have these various crocs. And she'd take those cucumbers, and she would put... They're all the same cucumbers, same garden, but she'd take the cucumbers and wash them all up, and she'd drop them in these different vats, these different crocks, you call them, these big clay kind of things. And then around, just before Christmas, she would start taking those cucumbers out and putting them in jars, and she would label the jars. Sour pickles, sweet gherkin pickles, bread and butter pickles, dill pickles. Now, all the cucumbers started out the same way. But depending on what those cucumbers soaked in, they either became a sweet pickle or a sour pickle. And what Paul is saying, be careful what your mind soaks in. If it soaks on the lousy, you will become, when somebody bites you, it'll be ugh, a sour pickle. And some of you will become a sweet pickle. What is your mind soaking in? Paul said, let your mind soak in what is true and honorable and just and pure and noble and commendable. And anything you can find that's excellent and anything you can find is worthy of praise, let your mind dwell there and the peace of God will be with you. The, that's how we begin the peace of God. And he ends it with the God of peace will be with you. It'll change your life. We are not what we think we are, but what we think we are. Paul said, look at the lovely instead of the lousy. So the mere fact of praising shapes us, makes us a kind of person. And secondly, as the crucible refines silver and the furnace refines gold, so praising other people refines our view of people. It refines our view of people. Paul in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Don't only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so praising other people refines your view of other people. If you're looking for what's wrong with them, you'll find it. If you're looking for what's good with them, you'll find it. Sometimes it's tough, but it's there. There's a beautiful story about Michelangelo. Somebody was asking him about his sculpture of the angel, the kneeling angel, one of his most magnificent works. And they said, how did you come up with that? And Michelangelo said, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. 
I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. And then I, com- I read a commentary, a comment on Michelangelo's comment. It says, every block of marble has a statue in it. And the sculptor's task is to discover it and set it free. That's good theology. The scriptures tell us we are created in the image of God. So every single person you look at, the image of God is there. Sometimes it's deeply buried. And some people grow up and, and by their way they were raised and just by who they are, they're a block of marble. And you can see glimpses of the angel in there. And this whole idea of make disciples is to carve that block of marble and set that angel free. But as I read the thing of every block of marble has a statue in it, it occurred to me every block of granite has an angel in it too. And some of us were growing up, we people didn't see us as a block of marble. They saw us more like a hunk of granite or a piece of coal. And you see some people and you think, I takes real faith to believe there's an angel inside that nasty person, that cantankerous, foul-mouthed, punk kid. But the Imago Dei, the image of God, is there. And our task is to see the angel in the granite or in the lump of coal or in the marble and be God's sculptor and carve that block of granite or marble until we can help God set the angel free. God uses us to do that. And praise is a huge part of that. Now, it's tough to release the angel from a block of marble. It's tough sometimes to see the angel in a block of marble. It's tougher to see the angel in a block of granite. But the toughest task is to see the angel in the mirror. To see who's looking back at you. And to say, you are created in God's image. Now, I can trust God to see the angel in you. And some of you look like marble. A few blocks of granite out there. (laughs) But when I look in the mirror, I know that person. I'm very familiar with the weaknesses and the struggles. But I still have to look and say, there's an angel there somewhere. And praise is what God uses to help release those angels. Praising other people refines other people in our own eyes. The hummingbird and the vulture fly over the same landscape. 
the vulture sees dead, decaying carcasses. The hummingbird sees nectar and flowers and life. They're both flying over the same landscape. And each sees what each is looking for. Look for the praise. Offer the praise. Ken Blanchard's book, The One Minute Manager, has a chapter on one-minute praisings. And as a book is written like a dialogue, it's written like a story. Many of you have read The One Minute Manager. And in that chapter on one-minute praisings, the question is, what do most managers look for when they're doing their management by wandering around? What do they try to catch people doing? And the answer is most managers try to catch people doing something wrong. Ken Blanchard says, catch people doing something right. Look for the lovely instead of the lousy. That's my line. I wouldn't blame that on Ken Blanchard. One minute praising. Tell people, hey, appreciate that, man. Have you ever seen it in a, in a restaurant when you say something nice to the person who's waiting on you and you compliment them? You ever tell them to go in the kitchen, tell the chef what a great man, that was super. And they come back and they tell you how much the chef appreciated it. It's, it's, it, it makes a difference. Praising other people helps them. It, it gives you a different view of what you're looking for in people, but it also refines you in other people's minds. Praising other people refines their view of you. They want to see you coming. They appreciate you. They want to be around you. First of all, they think you must be brilliant because you see how good they are and you're willing to praise them for it. We had a boxer dog when we were living in Austin, Texas. Uh, we inherited him from a family. He was, had been abused and we took him in and he immediately uh, became part of our family. His name was Ripple. We called him Old Rip. And the thing with old, I don't know if you know much about boxes, but they love people. And old Rip, he, they had chopped his tail off. And so he didn't have a tail. But when you, people would come up the driveway, up the, up the sidewalk, he, he would try to wag his tail, but he didn't have a tail. His whole thing would wiggle. His whole, just like that. And he would be licking his lips, and he'd just be so excited. And he'd say, you are the best thing that happened to me all day. I am so happy that you're here. You came to my... Now, he would do the same thing if it was the male the mayor or a serial killer. So he wasn't really allowed to go to the, but every, he loved everybody. And guess what? Everybody loved Rip. Our boy's friends would talk about Rip. They would come to, oh man, where's Rip? I can't wait to see Rip. You know why? Because Rip praised them just by how he was around them. And I, wouldn't you rather be a Rip? Somebody that just when people see you coming, it's going to be a good experience. And by praising and by, by appreciating people, not only do we help them by praising them, but we put stock in the emotional bank, which when we then have to come and say, hey, you screwed up. You're not doing it right. You got an issue. We've earned the right to do that. 
and they hear it in a whole different way because you're not the person who's just carping all the time and putting them down. You're the person who is buying the right, building the trust, saying, I appreciate you, I understand you, I see the image of God in you, you understand that I'm trying to pull the angel out of you, but sometimes it takes criticism as well as praise. So we are refined just by the mere fact of being a person who praises. We're refined by praising other people, and we're refined by praising God. As a crucible refines silver, and the furnace refines gold, so we are refined by praising God. Why? Because when we praise God, we live in obedience to the most frequently given command in all of Scripture. No other command is given as often as the command to praise God. When we are praising God, we are doing the highest thing God has created us to do, to be in a loving, personal, appreciating relationship with himself. That's why he created us, for somebody to have a relationship with. He loves us, and he wants us to love him. He describes us with having the potential of reigning and ruling with Jesus himself. Go to Andrew's class and you'll hear about it. He praises us big time when we are walking with him, when we are obedient to him. And that's what he wants from us. We develop a greater and higher view of God when we praise him, when we look for reasons to praise God. David prayed, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. And then later in the same psalm, the Psalm 59, but I will sing of your might. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been a fortress for me and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. David could say, Lord, protect me, because he had praised God for his power, and he praised God because God loved him so much. So he could confidently come and say, Lord, I know you can protect me, and I know you will protect me, because I acknowledge the fact that you're powerful enough to, and I acknowledge the fact that you love me enough to do that. So by praising God, it builds our confidence, it builds our view of God. We can have a big God or a little God in our minds. Some of us create God in our own image. We're praying to a God who we think is as weak as we are and as frustrated as we are. But stop and think of what, how, what can I praise God for? Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into dry land, and Israel passed through the river on foot. Talking about the exodus from Egypt and the entrance into Canaan. There's a saying that says, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. I like that. But you know what I like even better? Attempt 
great things for God, and you can expect great things from God. But the only way we have a God like that living in our heart and living in our mind and living in our soul, a God we can trust, a God we can attempt great things for, is a God we have exercised our brains to appreciate because we praise him and we look for reasons to praise him. And one of the great things we praise God for is our salvation. Just as the psalmist said, uh, God turned the sea into dry land and Israel passed through the river on foot. He's talking about Israel's salvation from Egypt and their salvation into God's promised land. Just like Jesus offers us. He died to release us from the tyranny of sin and to deliver us into the kingdom of heaven. 